This is a Broad Pods production. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for the reward-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. This is Broad Radio. For you, by you. Broad Radio. Here for more. Hello and welcome to Broad Radio. I'm Jo Stanley and look at my co-host, Bianca Chatfield. Oh, and we get to dance together finally. Oh my God, <laughs> we've been kept apart for so long. Dance together. We should say that sounds like we, you know, want to slow dance on a dance floor somewhere, mm, Bianca. Just, you know, that music, when I was sitting at home doing it at home, Broad Radio, I would always be dancing just behind my computer screen, whereas now I, I get someone to vibe with. Here we are. <laughs> this is the first time that I have been in our new studios with another person because officially we were here last week but I was in ISO so I couldn't come <laughs> so poor Ange Pippos came here and she held the fort thank goodness she's amazing as are you I'm so grateful to you for being here filling in for Kirsty Wiebeck who was supposed Ooh. to be here but she's got a wisdom teeth going thing going on there so yeah. here you are I can't promise I'm going to be as funny but I'm going to try my hardest <laughs> funny no one is as funny <laughs> as Kirsty Wiebeck we don't try to do that but it's so lovely to see you, B. And um, how are you? I'm going okay. So I've got a little baby in here and it's growing away. So 25 weeks. And to be honest, I'm actually, I've got no complaints because I've been feeling pretty good. So mm. lockdown's been a little handy in that you can have a little Arvo nap whenever you yeah. feel like. I'm sure everyone at home can relate. There's different times where you're like, I just need a 20 minute nap and yeah. off I go. And now I'm feeling great and ready to get back out in the world. Yeah, you should never, ever, 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 ever need to make an excuse for that though. No, well, that's For true. napping, whether you, I mean, I don't have a baby in me and I need to nap. <laughs> we all love a power nap. <laughs> we absolutely do. We have a gorgeous show ahead for you today. The amazing Kaz Cook is joining us. She's best-selling author, and I would say everyone wants to be her best friend. Mm-hmm. Like she's a go-to when it comes to advice on our health at every age, and she's so funny and reveals so much. Mm. Reveals so much of the truth and has a funny way of going about it. Yeah, she's fantastic. Also today, we are a lot of us out of lockdown for the first time, but that means we're facing a very real post lockdown anxiety. So we're going to be joined by Mary Spillane, who is a psychologist, and she's coming to us via one of my favorite apps, Headspace, which is an incredible mindfulness and meditation app, one of the most 
popular in the world. So Mary Spillane is joining us to uh, help us with our post-lockdown anxiety and all of the things that comes with that. (laughs) And whilst we're talking about uh, people who perhaps might be struggling a little bit, there's a new survey, a new research that's been done for the first time into our retail workers and uh, what what their experience is like in the workplace and it's not good. And I can only imagine what's going to happen now, especially in Victoria, everyone coming out of lockdown and just they've already been under a lot of pressure. How much more pressure is added to all of our retail workers, no matter what age they are at the moment, that everyone's going to be flooding the shops again and they're having to check for double vaccine certificates. They're having to check that everyone's signed in. There's just so much more than just selling products in a store and, you know, helping people. That's right. So we've all, I think, acknowledged that our frontline workers have been amazing, but actually what is going on behind the scenes for people who work day in and day out in that industry? We're going to be joined by um, uh, Julia Fox from the Retail Workers Union, who is going to tell us all about this very first survey into that workforce. All right. So as we always say, if you're watching on Facebook, chuck us a follow or a like if you're watching on youtube chuck us a subscribe and always share your comments we'd love to hear what you're thinking and feeling as we go along in this show um it's so weird to be in this situation i'm not used to and there's a whole other camera there which i'm like oh when do i look at that i'm very confused oh don't do it to me right oh there you go Uh, and we've also got your laptop there so any comments along throughout the show we see them straight away we'll be able to talk to them we really enjoy getting your feedback as we're doing all the interviews as well yeah we really do already we hear from katrina who says love seeing the new studio me too, <laughs> Katrina. Bear with me as I get used to it, though, okay. I have to say. Um, you can also catch up with our podcast on uh, on Broad Radio On The Go. So any episodes or interviews that you've missed, you can check us out there as well. And there's a whole new thing that we need to bring to your attention, and that is that we are in the middle of a crowdfunding campaign. And we would love it if you were able to back us in any way, any amount, every it's such a cliche, but every amount does count. And it's not all of us are in that position. It's been a really tough time, we acknowledge. So um, sharing it with all of your networks is a huge help to us as well, as far as that crowdfund is concerned. So I want to ask you about this because we've seen that very cool showreel that you did or video that you've done. And it Are you referring great. to our pitch video? Your pitch Should video. we play that? Absolutely. Now that you've brought that up, why don't we just yes. play that now? If you haven't seen it, here it is. I'm Jo Stanley, founder and CEO of Broad Radio. Radio for women, by women. Jo, you forgot your kettlebell. Of course, you think there's radio for every kind of listener. Oh, Bruce, get your nose out of there. But did you know there's not one radio station for women over 40? And there's five million of us in Australia. That's why we're building Broad Radio, an empowering radio network delivered via an app. So wherever you go, you'll have live talkback, great music, community, even a marketplace for shopping. There's nothing like Broad Radio in Australia. We're excited about its potential to scale globally. And a brilliant team to make it all happen. Our vision is a hub of vibrant conversation that connects us all and makes each of us feel like we are truly understood. That's why we've decided to crowdfund, because we'd love you to join us. Just head to broadradio.com.au and subscribe. 
I just love seeing that and being part of the broad team. I got, you know, very early days. You told me about your vision. You said what you wanted to do and it was, you hadn't even started at that stage. And now here we are. How many episodes are we through? This is 44. 44. Mm. And you've done a huge job, you and the team to date. Can you give us and give everyone out there a bit of an understanding around your vision now and why the crowdfunding is out there, what you want to achieve out of it to where you want to get to? All right. Well, I mean, the fact is the end goal is a radio station that you could listen to just as we listen to every other radio station in Australia, you know, um, but it's not possible to get a, a, a license. Like you can't just sort of, you know, just go, oh, you know what, I want to buy. Sign up online. <laughs> that's it. They're not out there, okay. But that's okay because I actually believe that pretty much everyone moving forward, you know, five years from now, we're all going to be listening to everything on our phones anyway, yeah. right? So the vision is to create a radio station that's 24-7, fully programmed, also with catch-ups and podcasts and all the other things that come with it. And to do that, we want to deliver that via an app. Facebook, which is what we're using right now as a free platform, it's been amazing. I mean, this whole process this year, doing the Tuesday morning shows, it's been about uh, really establishing a proof of concept so that we can go out to the world and really, you know, attract investment. But we just, we're ready for the next stage. It's why we're in this studio. Yeah. It's why we want to build the app so that can we, we can actually say whenever, and this happens to me all the time, oh, I love the idea. How can I listen? Yeah. We can go, ah, download the app, listen. Yeah. It's, two, it's two buttons. Yeah. That's what I want. Um, I want it to be really easy yes. so that it's accessible for everyone. Yeah. yeah. And we, like when you put it out there to the world that this is what you wanted to do, has it, I'm sure you would have learned so much along the way, has it evolved mm. and changed as you've gone through yeah. this process of 44 episodes? Um, and, uh, look, I would say what I've learned is around the content that we love to do and the content that maybe we would keep for when we're a, a fully-fledged station. Like yep. this sort of format is more specific to longer conversations and certainly when we create a radio station, you'll have some shows that are kind of like that, that are sort of that... Um, podcast-esque sort of conversation, a deeper conversation. And then we might do shows that are more, you know, quicker, vibier, lots of music. I'm looking forward to bringing music (laughs) to what we do, like a radio station, you know. So I guess um, that's evolving all the time. But mostly what I've learned is about myself. Mm. Like you would know, Bianca, Mm -hmm. because you do your own thing and you're an entrepreneur in, in your own right, that you sort of, you learn about yourself when you put yourself out to the universe and you one of the things I've learned is I'm very impatient and I want to do it now and I get frustrated that I have to wait for it to grow but the fact is things evolve as they can and time sort of unfolds you can't force time no but you (laughs) also I mean from the very start when we were chatting about this you said to me you're like I'm having to learn to let go and not and not aim for it to be perfect straight Mm. away and actually gradually build it and be okay with that and I think that's such a good lesson for everyone in life is that we all aim to be 10 under 10 but actually 7 under 10 is really really good and we're taking so much with us as we're and as athletes we always used to say just get to 7 out of 10 if everyone can get to there you're going to be a long way into your success and yeah. if you're trying to get 10 out of 10, which is pretty much impossible. The other thing that I've learned too is that it's really scary to do something that you've not done before. Yeah. And 
it relies on putting it out to the universe all the time, which again, you and I sort of have built careers doing that. So I'm sort of used to that, but this is the biggest version of that I've ever done. And one thing I've learned is that the antidote to fear is curiosity. So every time I go, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? Oh my gosh, I'm taking a risk. Oh, what if this, what if that? Then I go, I just replace that with curiosity Mm. and go, oh, I wonder what will happen. (laughs) Oh, my gosh, I can't wait. It's so exciting. I'm so proud of you guys. You, Daz, the team, like I've loved being part of it and I hope to continue to be because it is just, I I feel like like we've been a part of this journey and it's so short compared to what I know you're going to do. And I just love watching you do it, like just absolutely take charge and do this when there was so much fear around it as well and yeah. so much doubt and COVID and everything. But there's a place for it and there's a real gap. And so I really am determined to continue. So we do need help. It can't happen without everyone who believes in it sort of supporting it, um, both, both emotionally and if you can with the crowdfund, that's a really huge help. But if you can just share it with everybody as well, that's a massive help. And the amazing thing is, so, wow, the generosity has been very overwhelming and we've already hit 77% of our target. It's amazing, I know. Um, I've been very emotional about that, to be honest, because I I can't really fathom that people are willing, you know, their $25, it's their $25 and they're giving it to us. You know, that's truly amazing. Um, But they believe in your dream, like, you know, giving people what they want. Yeah, well, and I'm glad that they want it. Um, But we're having a celebration Tomorrow night, it's a free music and comedy variety hour. Uh, an amazing lineup there. We've got Kirsty Wiebeck is emceeing, Judith Lucy, Diana Nguyen doing comedy, Nelly Thomas as well doing comedy, and we've got Bachelor Girl <laughs> joining us. Oh my God, one of my favourite bands. I know. I know, oh my God, they're going to be joining us. Um, Tanya Doko, who's just a superstar and a great supporter of us, and Tamara Coulden singing as well. So it's free. It's, it's free, everybody. It's free. Yeah, it's free. Do come along. It's obviously via Zoom, and uh, you can register via well, the events humanities you know what how would we how can people link to that right now that would be very hard it's all over our social media just do that register and you get sent the link that's right yeah it's 8 p.m tomorrow night it's going to be an amazing night so okay (laughs) plugs aside um you out in the world the world has opened up no more lockdown in melbourne and sydney and, and people have you been out there Oh, I have been, but only in small little doses. So, Mm. you know, going to a cafe with a friend, but nothing bigger than that, really. So, but I do feel it. I feel this real anxiety towards um, what's going to happen once we all get out there, but also Mm -hmm. what happens if you get out there and other people aren't necessarily, you know, as protective as you are and being pregnant as well. You hear all these horrible stories about what happens if you get COVID. Anyway, I would, I need some help with that. Yes, look, I think, I think the anxiety is really real. I just came out of ISO myself, so I don't want to go back there. Mm. Everywhere I go, I think, is this going to end up being a tier one site? Like you just don't know, right? The anxiety is real. And so we thought we would get some assistance on that. And it's not just about being post uh, lockdown. I think it's around, you know, the uncertainty, of course, that we've heard about. And it's, 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 there's so much around uh, at the moment that's causing us a great deal of distress. And so let's get some help from someone who actually is an expert in this. She is a psychologist and she comes to us via the Headspace app, which is one of my favorite mindfulness and meditation apps. Um, Her name is Mary Spillane. Hi there, Mary. Hi, thank you for having me. 
Oh, look, it's a real delight to speak with you. I have to first ask, what are you hearing? How real is this anxiety that people are feeling? Oh, gosh, it's it's definitely very real. And a lot of people are reporting a bit of anxiety or a lot of anxieties you both just, just mentioned earlier. So it's it's very real. And, and when you think about it, you know, we've been kind of conditioned to fear leaving the house, seeing our family, hugging our friends, going to live events for almost two years. So it, it makes sense that even though the environment is changing and we're opening up again, that people or psychologically, we still need to catch up to the idea that things are, you know, getting back to some level of normality. So it's very real. And because you don't, they say, now I could just be making this up. I don't know if this is right. Isn't it like 21 days creates a habit and we're all in our own little habits now in our own world, in our own homes. So what can people do about, you know, I guess, braving the real world now, going out there? And, and are there little coping things you can do? You know how sometimes if you like tense your fist like that, it, it takes away some of that anxiety straight away. Are there things that we can do to help ourselves get out there again? Well, I think you make a really good point about habits and being in routines. And as, as difficult as lockdown has been, we have developed routines and, and ways of coping. And now we sort of need to look at those again and potentially change some things and, and make new routines. So I do think there's some anxiety in that as well. But I think it's important to think about what works for you and, and what pace works for you. So taking things a day at a time, checking in with yourself regularly and seeing how you're going and, and just going at your own pace, I think is, is really important. And, and one thing I would say as well is not to avoid completely so that the temptation when you're anxious can be to avoid things and and not do things, but it might just be about taking things slow and, and doing things a day at a time. And then, of course, things like, you know, mindfulness and, and using apps like Headspace can be really helpful as well just to ground yourself in the present moment and and feel as though, you know, you can you can head out again. I love the way you say take things slowly, go at your own pace. But I wonder why are we so conditioned to care what other people think and to listen to how the pressures around us? Because I think a lot of the problem is like, oh, I want to take it slowly, but everyone else is out there. So I should feel like I should be able to be out there as well. Why, why are we so influenced by what's around us? Well, I think emotions are a very powerful thing and, and we're certainly influenced by the emotions of others and have all sorts of kind of mirror neurons and everything going on when we're interacting with people. So it's it's very easy to get into the habit of sort of going, oh, well, well they're out and doing things, so why can't I do that? So it's, it's a really common thing, I think, to, to do that. Um, and, and certainly, you know, we're, we're primed to kind of judge ourselves and compare ourselves to others to, to make sure that we're kind of fitting in and, and we're doing things like everyone else is. And so when you notice that disparity, it can be quite powerful and have an impact on how we're thinking and feeling and, and make it hard to do things slowly and to take your time. And let's talk about the Headspace app because, Joe, I know mm. you, you are very passionate about meditation oh, and mindfulness yes. and I have learned in different ways to incorporate in my life. But can you give us a bit of an idea around someone who has never opened the app before, never looked at it, what can they see when they download it onto their phone and what are some really easy, useful things that they can go and look at straight away? I think the great thing about the Headspace app is it's incredibly user-friendly and, and simple. So that it's sort of no frills mindfulness is how, is how I call it. So anybody can sort of pick it up, open the app, 
and it's quite intuitive. So if you want to do some mindfulness to improve your sleep, then it's really clear. You click on the sleep tab and that opens up a range of different apps that you can use to help with sleep. If you want to work on your concentration, then you can use the search function and find apps that help you or find tracks that help you with concentration. And then if you're a beginner and you haven't even done mindfulness before, you can search beginner mindfulness and there'll be sort of 10 day courses that you can look at that help kind of teach you about mindfulness and what mindfulness is, what mindfulness isn't, and how you can sort of bring it into your daily routine. So it's, I would describe it as no frills mindfulness, simple, accessible, and just intuitive. Mm. Mary, I don't like to talk myself up too much, but I was one of the first adopters of Headspace, the app, I have to say. Oh, you downloaded uh, it first, did you? <laughs> no, okay. Not, not, not the first. I know it's like 17 million users worldwide now, and I feel like I might have been in the first million, I'm thinking. But um, I, I always recommend it to people who say, I can't meditate and I can't do mindfulness because I think that people don't know what it is. I think people complicate things way too much. Um, so can you just in like a tiny para explain what mindfulness is? Because I think people get confused. Well, I think, Joe, you're certainly famous in the Headspace corridors for being <laughs> one of the early adopters. I can <laughs> confirm, confirm that. Um, but I think, you know, you make a really good point about people sort of not knowing what mindfulness is and I think that that can actually be a barrier as well because people will sit down they'll start to do mindfulness and they'll think to themselves well I'm, I'm kind of getting distracted here or I'm feeling a, a reasonable amount of discomfort so I mustn't be doing it right and I suppose a really good thing to remember with mindfulness is the aim is not to, re to relax and to clear your mind of whatever is going on that might be a secondary benefit but that's not the aim the aim is to just attend to whatever it is that you're feeling in the moment. So at the moment, that might be some social anxiety. It might be a bit of grief. And the goal of mindfulness is to get you to attend to those feelings without adding on all the extra complexity around what's happened in the past, what's going to happen in the future, and sort of making that problem get bigger and bigger. We just want to try and focus on what we're feeling in the moment. And often that is much more manageable and easier than when we start to kind of add things around the past, the future and planning and organising and all of those sorts of things. So it's just checking in with yourself. How am I feeling? What am I thinking about? And sort of stretching that muscle of attention. Mm. And it's that positive reinforcement that I've found too, that, you know, firstly you give it a go and you tune in and I, I, I'm a big one for mindfulness while I'm going for a walk, you know, like taking notice of the trees and the leaves moving and what, you know, the sounds that are going on around you. And it, and it's when you, you know, you might be able to concentrate in for, you know, a couple of minutes on that walk and then you get home and you do feel like you have a clearer mind yeah. and that you are just you just feel at ease. Lighter. And I just think totally. you feel lighter. And then you go, you know, next walk, it might be 10 minutes that you manage mm. to focus in on. And and it is that positive reinforcement, that, that energy that you get when you get home actually really does add to how you're feeling, how you're going to cope with the rest of the day. Mm. And for me, it's something I really like in the mornings because that's what sets me up to be able to cope with no matter roller, what roller coaster I go on after that. And is that is that is there a time of day or is it figuring out for yourself when it works best for you? Yeah, I, I think it's just figuring out what works for you, like you said. So, you know, it might be going for a walk and doing some informal mindfulness that way. It could be whilst you're eating your brekkie 
or it could be, you know, after work or at lunchtime. It doesn't matter whenever works for you. And I think, like you said as well, it can be useful to just set a target that's not sort of too unachievable. So sometimes people think that they're committing to a life of mindfulness when they download the app, um, which is overwhelming and daunting. (laughs) But perhaps it might just be that, you know, for 10 days, you're going to practice doing a bit of mindfulness. And at the end of that 10 days, see what happens. Sort of like what you were saying before, just about just being curious and, and seeing what you what comes of it. Um, so yeah, doing it when it works, doing what works, and just setting a time limit and, and having a go. Mary, I think one of the things that people are really struggling with at the moment also is burnout, because and it's not just work-related burnout it's family-related burnout it's the juggle of everything people are just so you I mean basically with remote learning and with working from home we're always at our desk and we're having the pressure of family and all the normal things as well Mm. um can you see that there are ways of managing that through things like mindfulness and also what else can we do yes definitely I think mindfulness plays an important role in, in managing those things but I think when you look back about you know around what's happened we've been exposed to you know a lot of stress and sort of chronic stress really for a long time and then coupled with a lack of an outlet so usually when you're stressed you have you know different coping strategies that you can use and those for a lot of us have been removed you know in terms of being able to socialize being able to partake in a hobby or you know get away for the weekend or whatever it might be So I think as we're coming out of this, it'll be important to try and incorporate those things back into your routine and to sort of encourage more positive emotions. So, you know, reconnecting with friends and family, you know, picking up your hobbies, taking time to rest when you can will all be really important because, you know, even though we're emerging from lockdown it's not as though we've just been on a two-year holiday and we're refreshed and ready to go. <laughs> people, are, people are pretty tired. And so it'll be really important that, you know, you're prioritising your rest and your self-care as we move, I guess, through this next stage. And so, what, I mean, if we're not someone who readily goes to mindfulness, how do we set boundaries so that we know we're going to that self-care? Yes. I think it's about making it part of your daily routine. And, and trying to prioritise it. And it doesn't have to be, you know, really luxurious or really long. You know, you don't have to sit there and meditate for 30 minutes. It could just be taking three minutes out of your day to do some mindfulness, you know, and formally kind of thinking about, okay, I need to look after myself here and so I'm going to sit down and I'm going to do three minutes of mindfulness. Uh, or it could be, you know, I'm feeling stressed and pressured. I'm just going to, you know, have a lay down for, for 20 minutes and, and rejuvenate or, or whatever it might be. But I think it's it, it's important that you're making that a part of your routine and you're letting people know it's really important that I do this mindfulness exercise or that I go for a walk so that I can take care of myself and be the best person that, that I can be. Um, so it's being really clear to other people as well around what you need and then sticking to it and making it a part of your routine and developing that habit. Yeah, and I also found like with, um, you know, when you're even going for a walk, going for a walk on your own, you don't have to always go with somebody and mm. lockdown's been all about, you know, mm. meet a friend and go for a walk and grab a coffee and that's all well and good, but then it takes away your time you get on 
for yourself yes. as well. So I think um, those boundaries are so, so important and, and it's okay to have boundaries. It's not a selfish thing. It's We're allowed to be selfish yeah, in this world to look after and ourselves. I, I want to acknowledge Melissa who's commented on our social saying that she uh, doesn't necessarily practice mindfulness, but when I go for a walk, I don't take my phone. Uh-huh. I prefer to not be listening Good to one. anything or being distracted by pings. So that's so critical, isn't it? To just to have that clear headspace, isn't it? That, that is mindfulness, I, I would mm. say to, mm. to Melissa, that, that that's informal mindfulness. So you don't always have to sit down and be meditating to be doing mindfulness. But if you're going for a walk on your own and you're just noticing what you can see and what you can hear and what's going on around you, then that is absolutely mindfulness and, yeah. and, and attending to, to what's going on around you. So, you know, there are all different ways that you can do mindfulness and certainly sitting down and meditating is, is just one way. Well, thank you so much, Mary Spillane, who comes to us from Headspace, the app. And I've my favourite thing that I've learned through this whole pandemic and lockdown is no, just no. I'm not <laughs> going to be able to help you with that. No, not anymore. <laughs> I just think that's so critical to setting our boundaries. Yep, it's the ultimate act of self-care, setting a boundary. <laughs> yeah, lovely. Thanks so much, Mary. It's been awesome to have you on Broad Radio. Thank you so much for having me. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Broad Radio, talking inspo we love, info we need, and sharing more of us. Watch and listen live every Tuesday, 9am, Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time at broadradio.com.au or find us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube and LinkedIn at Broad Radio Oz. Talk to us live. Call on 1300 8 Broad. Catch up on demand anytime, anywhere, every time, everywhere. On the train, we'll be here. 2 a.m. existential crisis, <laughs> we've got you covered. Broad Radio, here for more. Well, so Bianca, throughout the pandemic, I've been really encouraged by the fact that uh, we've all thanked our frontline workers. Mm -hmm. We've been really aware of the fact that they've been there day in, day out when a lot of us have felt a bit even, you know, not leaving the home, but they've kept us going. Okay, so thank goodness that we've been giving them that uh, acknowledgement and thanking them. But the first study into retail workers in Australia has surveyed six and a half thousand workers. Many of those are women. And it's revealed that people who work in this industry are overwhelmed with emotional and financial stress, mm-hmm. employer pressure, um, they're juggling work and home caring roles. So it's a really difficult industry to work in. Oh, absolutely. And you know, my mum works in retail and I hear a little bit from her and just that, 
you know, not feeling necessarily safe when you go back into this world mm. where you're surrounded by people and you just hope everyone's doing the right thing. But, you, you know, it's your employer. You're going to work. You don't necessarily have a choice. No, that's exactly right. So here's a little snippet of their stories. As an essential worker, um, we, we working in the retail side, we, we don't get a great deal of respect with customers. I mean... I've, I've got customers who just walk in and throw money across the thing and just walk out. Um, they don't even say hello, goodbye, or thank you. There's no, no please, no. And I've been abused a lot. It, it's hard. Always had this sense to, of guilt if I had to take a day off. You kind of get that impression where it wasn't good enough, or you know it wasn't important like work had to come first. It was hard. I mean, half the time I just kind of bit it and just went to work. Um, my kids missed out a lot. Look, I do feel like I'm very lucky to have a job, um, but I am, I do sometimes feel that the manager says, well, you should be lucky. You should feel lucky you've got a job. If, I, if I've said to him, look, I'm, you know, I need to take my dad to an appointment next week, oh, well, lots of people don't have jobs. And it makes you feel really guilty um, that you're doing it. So as if I don't have enough guilt as it is on my own um, that I put on myself, but then they throw that, that at you as well. So, um, but again, you just, you just have to pick it up and, and run with it. People are told, well, if you're available for that, put that down, don't just put down the hours that you'd like, that will make your work-life balance better. It's more, what are you available? If you're available to do it, you may be rostered on. It will be the needs of the business before family. The only way I'd probably go back to retail is if I had no other option. So it'd be absolutely awesome to have carers leave, someone who could stand in um, if I need to schedule a day off, you know, to. Um, take my parents to hospital or take them, like say from Geelong to Melbourne for specialist appointments or even if I just need to care for them at home for a day, it'll probably give me more of a chance to actually relax rather than stressing out all the time over working and caring for my parents. Gee, it would make the world a difference. You know, just being able to have that knowledge that okay, I'm not going to get in trouble for this. I'm not going to be judged. It's a one day, it's my day, and I don't have to beg for it, I don't have to ask for it, I don't have to put anyone out for it. It's just there for me to use or not use if I need be. Well, to find out more about the people that we buy our groceries off, we are joined by Julia Fox from the Retail Workers' Union. Good morning, Julia. Good morning, Joe. Good morning, Bianca. How are you both? Oh, well, we're well. Um, we all, you know, we start by mm. saying thanks to our retail workers, of course. They are incredibly visible. They, we engage with them, interact with them almost every single day. And I think none of us would have any idea of the kinds of conditions and stresses that they're dealing with. Can you give us a little insight into the sorts of stories you've heard through this study? Sure. Well, look, the study was, as you said, 6,500 members. So it's a really big piece of um, research and it really does give an insight into the daily lives of retail workers. And um, it's pretty shocking, some of the findings, just the pressures that they're under. They've got multiple and compounding pressures. So they're facing um, issues around 
you know, really short shifts, insecure work, uh, really unpredictable and changing rosters all the time. So they sort of can't plan their lives. And that's a real challenge when you have care responsibilities, particularly for children. So that's one of the uh, standouts, I think. And the other is this kind of mismatch that we have between um, formal childcare availability and services and uh, the working hours of retail workers that just don't fit with that. So a lot of retail workers just do not use formal childcare. They're relying on informal childcare to manage their care responsibilities. And that's really, really challenging for people. And it's impacting them, but it's also impacting their kids and their family members. So it's quite, quite profound. What is some of the feedback that you get from these retail companies when you, you know, go and speak about um, changing it and, and having allowances for caring days? You know, what, what kind of feedback do you get from the companies? Well, this research, we've just started to engage more formally with the employers um, around the research. And I think it's going to challenge some of um, the myths about what flexible work is because this research demonstrates that flexible work is only working for employers, it's we don't have a work-life balance. We have a work-life collision. It's an absolute train wreck about how people are trying to manage work and care. So, I think it's going to be a conversation with employers to say, well, you actually need it's it's good for business to be able to allow your workers to manage their care responsibilities. It's good for our society. It's good for our economy, and we need to build a much better system for workers in in workplaces in all of retail um, that provide a stability, you know, stability, security of roster, um, predictable hours of work so that they can manage care and they can manage their responsibilities. Um, and so I think we have, you know, a lot of work to do with our retail employers. That's one of the things that I learned through reading about this study, which I didn't know as someone who just happens to be a shopper, right, mm. um, is the unpredictability of hours and the fact that if you're not receiving a regular roster, then you can't plan for your childcare, obviously. And some of the stories we I read about were around the fact that um, employers actually were using the irregularity of hours as a sort of a way of controlling their staff. Would that be true? Is That's it a ploy? Right. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and we see the repercussions that workers face when they um, sort of try and manage their care. So 10%, this is the research found that 10% of parents in retail don't have a regular workday. Now, I don't know how you book childcare in because childcare requires you to have a regular day. So you might, you know, when I, my kids are in childcare, I got Mondays or Thursdays and they were my set days. But Retail, it doesn't work like that. So that's why no one is using formal care. They're all using informal care arrangements. Um, so I think that is a huge challenge. The other issue is that they keep people on, what's sort of ended up happening is this part-time model of work that actually looks like casual. So you might as well call it casual because workers are given a minimum contract for part-time work and majority of retail workers are part-time or full-time. So only 30% or 35% are casual. So at some of the myths around retail is all casual, it's not. So 45% generally are part-time and their hours are, they're given sort of eight hour minimum contracts per week and they're guaranteed those eight hours, but that's all they're guaranteed. And so I don't know many people or families who can live off eight hours a week work. So then they need to try and get more hours and they sort of, you know, put their hand up to say I'm available for additional hours. But you're then sort of competing to get these additional hours. They might come at eight o'clock the night before for a shift at seven o'clock the next morning. So again, how do you plan care around that? Um, 
And it's sort of this, what we call it, the Hunger Games of rostering. They sort of treat a mean, keep them keen. Mm. Um, Keep you on these low base hours and you'll have to bid for extra hours. And when you're doing that, it makes it really stressful for people who are, you know, like one of our members said in that video before, like if you're trying to plan an appointment um, and taking your mum or dad to an appointment that they need, you know, might have to go to the heart specialist or something, those appointments are often two months booked in advance. You know, you don't get that appointment the day before. So when your roster's always changing, mm. um, it makes it really difficult. And I think that's what we're seeing uh, so clearly from this research is people need stability and security of roster just and predictable and good hours, not eight hours. No one can survive on eight hours a week if you're, if you're managing a your family or caring for others. So, you know, we've just ended up with this system and retail's a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week, you know, for our supermarkets. I don't know why they're rostering all over the place, why they change everyone's rosters every two weeks. What's the point of that when we know, you know, customers are going to be in the store every day? So I think balance a lot better. Oh, and I can imagine with COVID as well and now coming back out of lockdowns that that's added a whole new layer of complexity for retail staff. They're not just there to do their job. They're also there now to check that people have been double vaxxed before they're allowed in. They're also having to make sure they've checked in. Are you getting a sense of how much of an extra burden all of that is on our retail staff? Absolutely. And look, I don't think people always realise um that retail workers have had to turn up every single day. So they haven't had the choice to work from home. They don't get to always homeschool their kids because they're at work Um, and they've had to go in and be the front line and be, you know, at higher risk of exposure to the virus. They've copped so much customer abuse and violence. Um, You know, we surveyed our members and one in five of our members have been deliberately spat on or coughed on during COVID. What? I can't even fathom that. It's extraordinary. It's extraordinary. And then we've seen, you know, again, we there was a stabbing at a workplace um, the other day. There's been so many really violent incidences. We've had members punched in the head because they've, you know, asked if someone's checked in. It's just not okay. And so retail workers uh, have just copped it um, in extraordinary ways. And the pressure on them when you then look at trying to manage their work, they're also worried about their own health and their exposure to the virus and looking after their families and their kids like the rest of us, but they've mm. turned up every day. I mean, they're, they're amazing. <laughs> Retail workers are absolutely amazing. So we what, need to... Sorry, um, what kind of care is available to them? Uh, I mean, obviously within that situation, you would hope that there's something that's available to them to manage that trauma, but also what are you asking for, for these workers, for this workforce that's going to assist them with, uh, you know, managing their own the care responsibilities outside of work? Well, I think we need a right to care and that's one of the key things we're asking for. So at the moment, people have in our industrial system um, the right to ask for flexible work. So that's the right to ask a question. It's not really the right to anything other than asking a question. And we need to change that to actually say you've got a right to care um, and you need to be able to manage your care responsibilities. So you need a roster that works for you. And how do you work that through in the workplace with your you know, store manager or whoever. So we need that. I think we also need really to be very clear that part-time work needs to have secure, stable, predictable rosters and a meaningful number of hours. So eight hours a week, as I said, it's not enough. So people need proper hours of work. Um, I think the research report also touched on parental leave and I say that's unfinished business. One in seven mothers in retail 
did, had no form of paid parental or unpaid parental leave with their last birth. So one in seven are not accessing the government paid parental leave scheme, they're not accessing, accessing employer paid and they're not accessing, accessing unpaid leave. So it meant that 5% of mothers are returning to work in retail within the first six weeks of giving birth, mm. which is contrary to range of things but so we need to fix parental leave and we also saw a lot of partners and fathers you know again culturally in the workplace having trouble accessing parental leave as well that they're really keen to take so lots of fathers want more time Mm. when a new baby's born so we should be encouraging that and supporting that so there's a lot of things that we need to put in place but I think the right to care is the fundamental one and I think that's good for business and good for workers it's good for our economy it's good for our society we just need to recognize and value care better because we don't at the moment. Yes, absolutely. And I think for those of us who are shoppers, which is pretty much all of us, let's, I suppose, have a bit more understanding of the incredible pressures that the people who sell us our groceries are under because they're standing there day in and day out. And honestly, the the stress that they're carrying with them Mm. is phenomenal. I I think it's such a great insight. We all need to be a whole lot more kinder out there when Mm. we're doing our shopping. You know, even asking people how they're going, I think that's got a huge power behind it that you actually care for them and what they're doing. Um, It's not hard, is it, to be kind? Yeah, it's true. I I asked uh, the woman who sold me my groceries yesterday, actually, at the supermarket, how's she going? And she actually looked surprised that I asked her. Yeah. I'm like, this should be standard. Yes. Isn't that just basic kindness? <laughs> Julia, thank you so much for joining us and for, um, for enlightening us as far as that is concerned. Thanks, Joe. Nice to be here. Thank you. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mother's Day is just around the corner, and it's time to pamper the special moms in your life. In what better way than with Osea's limited-edition skincare sets, featuring clean, vegan, cruelty-free products that are safe for your skin and the planet. Osea is a women-founded, women-led brand that's been making seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. This Mother's Day, Osea has two limited-edition sets, perfect for gifting or keeping for yourself. Their Golden Glow Body Set includes three clinically proven bestsellers for silky, smooth, glowing skin, while the Glow and Go Facial Set has everything she needs to achieve spa-level results at home. They're so beautiful, you can skip the wrapping. For a limited time, you can save up to $48 on Osea's sets, plus get free shipping. That's Mother's Day made easy. Pamper the moms in your life and get 10% off your first order site-wide with code MOM at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com, code MOM.